This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio, episode number 64. How many of you women can relate to these questions? Do you ever wonder why men don't ask for directions? Why do men often interrupt you when you are talking? How come men think they are right even if they don't know the answer? In this fast-paced and thought-provoking interview with one of the leading experts on gender communications at work, you will discover that men and women have their own customs, rituals for talking, problem-solving, and even decision-making. Listen and learn these proven tips today to deal with these challenges and move to win-win outcomes to enjoy and celebrate gender differences. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life. No matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur, join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio. Today we're talking with Connie Glazer, one of the leading experts on gender communication at work. Her keen insights and dynamic presentations have inspired gender diversity initiatives in companies around the globe and help thousands of men and women work together more collaboratively and productively. Welcome, Connie. Thanks, Sabrina. So happy to have you here. I just finished your book, Gender Talk Works, which is excellent, and I'm excited to have you share with us some, some things about gender differences. Um, are there differences between the way uh, men and women communicate with each other? There certainly are. I would say that the main difference is men tend to use conversation as a means to assert their opinions and negotiate, to maintain status. Conversation is kind of a medium for giving advice, directions, information, short sentences, and very direct. It's kind of shoot, score, win. It's a game. (laughs) Negotiations are a game. For women, negotiations are comparable to a root canal, but men really like that. They like the status. With women, they do everything that they can to keep it an even, flat playing field. For women, communication is more of a collaborative, very polite give and take, Uh, Yes, they use conversation to convey information, data, and so on, but also to establish rapport and connection with the others. And a lot of times, and I think that we all see that with our women friends, that sometimes the content of the conversation is much less important than just being together, connecting, laughing, sharing. And with men, you generally don't have that extra dimension. Wow. So I'm, I'm thinking about the workplace, and basically we're, we're playing in the boys' game. So how does, how does this, what are the challenges that come up when you have women wanting to collaborate and connect like this and men wanting to have the status? What, what comes up? Well, the, the interesting thing is that 
boys and girls, men and women, grow up in different cultures, although we don't see the cultures. They're invisible. And there are certain kind of rules and protocols and rituals that are unique to each of those cultures that typically we are unaware of. So let me give you an example. Uh, I was called into ESPN, the sports network, to do a presentation. It was not on air. It was through their HR diversity initiative. But ESPN growing quickly and needing the absolute best talent they can get, and they wanted to provide a more kind of hospitable environment, more inclusive, diverse environment for women, minorities, and so on. All right, so before I did the presentation, they said, Connie, would you like to take a tour of the facilities? I said, sure, and I'm going to describe to you a scenario that I observed that I later actually used when I was doing the presentation. There were two female colleagues, professionals, outside of their office, and they were engaged in conversation, and a guy approached. So what do you think that the two women did when the man approached? I don't know. The first thing they did was they shut up. They, they stopped talking. And then they kind of turned to include him because they were squared off. Now they made more of a circle, and they asked him a question. All right, so now I'm doing the presentation, and there's a guy in the audience, and he raises his hand, and he says, why did they ask him a question? What did they need to know from him? <laughs> All right, now everyone, the women in the audience start to laugh, and the guys are also baffled as to why they would ask a question. So a woman says, well, they didn't need to know anything from him. So now the guy says, so why did they ask the question? And the woman says, to include him, of course. Now, this was a big aha moment because here was the guy who was kind of oblivious to the fact that you would use a question for any reason other than to elicit information. Because in his culture, as we said, you're very direct and there's a, a status thing that's going on. And if you indicate that you don't have all the information that you need, it kind of puts you in a one-down status position. So you're not going to ask questions. You know, it's the old directional thing with guys. You're not going to ask the question unless you're really under duress and you need the information. With women in the female culture, there's not the same kind of taboo attached to asking questions. And a lot of times women will even ask questions when they know the answer just to get someone involved, just to get someone engaged. So when the woman said that they didn't need to know anything, the guy's response was, well, that's a sneaky thing to do. <laughs> so here we have this huge difference in terms of styles, how questions are used, and believe me, the guy who was asked the question by these two women in conversation, he never thought that he was being asked a uh, superficial or superfluous question. You know, he thought that the women really needed the information. So here's just an example of how the rules may be different, how the rituals may be different, but typically they are not even known or seen. Right. I mean, I, I love your analogy of a different culture. I mean, it, it makes it so clear. We've got to learn the other culture. Can you give some more examples of the differences between well, men and women? Well, to get, to get back to the culture, for instance, a ritual, let's talk about how women 
and men talk. And it really goes back to how boys and girls talk. And this has been very well documented that boys, when they're out on the playground, this guy talks and then this guy jumps in and this guy says something over him and this guy overlaps. And you see this play out in the boardroom as well when men are talking. One guy talks and another guy jumps in, another one interrupts, and it's kind of a verbal free-for-all. With women, the style is very different because we are much more polite and fair-minded. And again, I'm not being judgmental and I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong because when you're talking about cultural differences, it's not right or wrong, good or bad. It's just different. But when women talk, as you and I are talking now, it's I talk, I shut up, you talk, you shut up, now it's my turn, now it's your turn. And what happens if the two of us kind of collide in conversation? Then you go, oh, I'm sorry, Connie, you go ahead. And I go, no, Sabrina, it's okay, you go ahead. Right. So now we're trying to jump all over one another to determine who can be the most polite in allowing the other to go ahead. <laughs> So so then we start to apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. And this is a very typical ritual in the female culture. And when we are talking among women, it's understood as a ritual. If I said to you, oh, I'm so sorry that the weather is bad today and you're visiting from California, the fact that I'm saying I'm sorry, I'm not a, really apologizing for it. It's just the way of speaking. Uh-huh. And it's a way of extending myself and being empathetic. Guys tend to take language much more literally. And if you're at a meeting and you start apologizing, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, they hear the I'm sorry and they take it for its literal value, that somehow you have done something wrong and you are accepting responsibility for it. So a ritual that can work well within one gender, the same way that men may use humor among themselves, and it can be put down bantering humor, and it works very well among themselves. But boy, it doesn't always translate well to women who can be very insulted by that same kind of humor. Uh-huh. I, I, the, the I'm sorry, I... Just in the last week with coaching clients, uh, a couple of incidences where the woman actually was accountable for a mistake that happened, but her apologies were so intense that it, it put more weight on the thing that had happened than needed to be there. Exactly. And, I, and, and Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh I always advise women to, if you have done something wrong, if you have done something that was inappropriate or harmful or a bad decision, by all means apologize and say what you're going to do to rectify it and then move on. Don't wallow in it. Uh, I was at a meeting last week and a woman came in late and it was largely a male group. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry that I'm late. I had to drop my daughter off at school. I had to do this. I had to take the dog to the vet. And I am so sorry that I'm late and coming in late to the meeting. And, and you know, she could have just slipped in and taken a seat at the table. She could have simply said, pardon me for being late. But she wallowed in it and she brought such attention to herself and there was such continuous apology that she really ended up sort of demeaning herself, which was unnecessary. 
Right. So make your apology if it's appropriate, if it's necessary. What are you going to do to correct it? And then move on, but don't wallow. I think that's that's really, really uh, important thing to remember and that women need to understand it is wallowing. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> there's so, so many incredible things to ask you, and uh, we talked earlier about maybe doing a, another show. So we won't cover everything, but I want the audience to know we're going to be able to talk to you at a later time. The male speaking structure, what is it, and why might it be important for a woman to adopt it sometimes? Well, as a communication specialist, Sabrina, I always advise people to know your audience. Whether you are talking to a corporate board of directors or you are talking to your in superiors or you are talking to people who are working underneath you, if you are going to a PTA meeting and talking to your child's teachers or your physician, I mean, we're, we're adapting all the time. We are trying to figure out who the audience is and what is the most effective way of addressing that person. And I think it's particularly important in a business setting. So if, for it. For instance, your boss or your peer or your colleague is male and prefers a more direct style, direct executive summary, cut to the chase kind of style. That's what you want to deliver. Women tend, and again, I'm generalizing a little bit, but we women, we like details. You know, we like to give all of the information, and sometimes we have worked so hard to get to that bottom line that we kind of want people to work through it with us to acknowledge how we got there. Well, if the person whom you're delivering the results to wants just the bottom line, you need to adapt there and give it to them and save all of the details because otherwise there's a very good chance you may not get listened to. So what I'm suggesting is we need to figure out a way to make sure that we get that maximum impact in terms of our speaking and make sure that people listen to us. And probably the best way to do that is to give the executive summary, to cut to the chase, to get to the bottom line quickly. Beautiful. Um, This is another one that I hear a lot from women. They've got some important thing to say about whatever the topic is that's on the table. Let's say it's a new hire that's coming into the company and this this woman has some objections to that person. The the reticence to speak up and say what they what they are what they really know that is really important. Uh there seems to be a lot of that and even kind of second guessing like, well, I'm concerned, what if they think I'm just being whiny or what if they think I'm just uh, you know, uh doing that because I'm jealous. All these things that have nothing to do with their expertise, what they know, and what they need to bring to the table. What Do you find that, and what, what do you suggest doing about that? Well, Sheryl Sandberg is really strong on this point in her book, Lean In, when she talks about the likability factor. And we women like to be liked. And sometimes we'll even put a higher priority on being liked than on being respected. 
And if we want everyone to like us, then we do tend to hedge and we do tend to approach things a little bit more indirectly, but it is not necessarily an effective way to communicate, and it is not necessarily an effective way to communicate as a leader. And it's much more risky to step out of your comfort zone and speak in a more direct way. Something that you and I had talked about also is at a meeting, for instance, women are much more likely to use what I call disclaimers. So before they make a statement, they'll kind of hedge by saying, well, I'm not 100% sure about this, but, and then go on to state their opinion and do it in a very articulate way. But once you have already said, I'm not sure about this, but, or you might think this is a stupid question, but, or you may not like me for saying this, but, Again, it gives people a reason not to listen, not to take you seriously, and not to give you the full credit that you deserve, because truly, before you even make the statement, you are discrediting yourself. It's such a, a huge one with the women I work with. I'm wondering, so how do you, how do you start practicing uh, doing this, just saying what you're saying and not doing all these disclaimers? I think that the first step, as we are doing now in this conversation, is awareness. A lot of times when I'm doing a presentation to a large corporate group, particularly a women's leadership group, and we talk about these issues, and we we all do it from time to time. I mean, some of us more than others. You see the heads nodding, and you see people pointing to themselves. Very often, women are not even aware that they do it. But here is another situation where, interestingly, if you do it among women, another woman will not take you literally. If you say, this might be a stupid question, Sabrina, but, I mean, you just think that I'm being kind of nice and immodest or modest and just kind of hedging. I don't want to come on too strong. If, however, I say it when I'm in a meeting with men, this may be a stupid question, but again, men tend to think more with the left side of their brain. It's more literal. They will hear those two words, stupid question, and the thinking is, oh, guess what's coming up next? Stupid question. So the first step, I would say, is awareness and then kind of self-monitoring. And the next time that you're having a conversation or you're at a meeting and you catch yourself, just try to eliminate it the next time. Try to get that statement or recommendation or motion out there on the table without that preface. People will take you much more seriously, and it will really increase your credibility quotient. That's, that's great. And another point you make in the book is that men can't take a hint. Uh, can you explain that and what people can do about it? Well, it really goes back to your question about being direct. And again, women using both sides of their brain simultaneously, the old wives' tale about women's intuition is not really a wives' tale. I mean, neurological studies have borne out the fact that women do have this more creative, intuitive side of their brain that is that is more active. So if I were to say to you, um, 
gee, I'm, I'm feeling kind of warm in this room, and I was at your house or in your office, you might be inclined to go over to the thermostat and turn it down or put on some air conditioning. Now, I didn't ask you to do that, but you, you understand that because I'm not going to say to you, Sabrina, it's too, it's too darn hot in here. Put some air on. I wouldn't say that because uh-huh. it's too direct and I don't want you to think that I'm coming on too strong and I don't want to appear to be demanding. So I'm going to kind of tell you what I'm feeling and I'm going to expect that you act on that. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, I say the same thing to a male. Um, you know, I'm a little bit chilly in here and my husband might be like, so go put a sweater on. Right. <laughs> or... I remember one time, because certainly I know we're talking about the workplace, but the same kind of rules of communication certainly transcend into the home place as well. Uh And I remember one time early on in my marriage, and I was very upset about something, and I was sitting on the couch, and I was kind of pouting with my arms crossed, and my husband said to me, "Uh, honey, what's wrong? And I said, oh, nothing. And he goes, phew, you know, phew, I can get back to watching the game. Nothing is wrong. (laughs) Well, I certainly expected him, the way I said nothing and the way I looked, to understand that, of course, it was something. But here he took it literally, and he did not take my hint, although it was rather overt. So women, if we expect something to get done, we need to do more than hint. And developing a more direct style oftentimes is very important. That, that All of these things, I think you, you point out, they take self-awareness and practice. You've got to practice doing that. And how about getting interrupted in meetings? This is something I hear a lot of. Well, to go back to what we were saying about differences in communication styles, because men interrupt one another all the time. You know, this guy's talking, and this guy comes in, and this guy interrupts, and this guy has something else to say, and that is not a comfortable way for women to talk. And so two things will happen. One, a woman may be waiting for her turn to talk at a meeting, and the turn doesn't come, because she's waiting to be invited in, and the only way that she can interject herself actually is kind of interrupting into the conversation, and it feels very awkward. So on one side, you've got a woman trying to interrupt to get into the conversation, but on the other hand is if she is interrupted, sometimes we are so taken aback that we just kind of clam up. It's very important, and again, for women, because this is contrary to their culture, it can feel very uncomfortable, but it's important that women learn to stand their ground, and if they are interrupted, and I think we have to assume, give people the benefit of the doubt, especially with men, that it's not something that is being done, the interruption, to necessarily undermine us or cut us down or dismiss what we have to say. Sometimes there's just enthusiasm and they're they're just jumping in. But if we are in the middle of saying something that is important, I find using the body language, putting up a finger, it's, it must be the correct finger, it must be the, the pointing <laughs> finger, you know, the kind of stop sign or just a minute finger, and say, Joe, let me just finish what I was saying. 
And you need to say it in a very authoritative voice, not not overbearing, but it can't be, uh, Joe, uh, I was trying to say something. Uh, could you let me finish, please? I mean, you can't do that. It's got to be short to the point and bring your voice down. Joe, please let me finish what I was saying. And put the hand up or put the finger up and then just go ahead, but do it succinctly, do it directly, and express it articulately. Beautiful. But if we allow ourselves to be interrupted, then we can come across as weak or not really having a voice at the table. We can't really allow that to happen. Yeah, and one of the things that, in all the things you're saying that I get, is it if we don't learn how to do this, it makes us look like we're not ready for the promotion or to be at the next level of leadership. Somehow we're we're the subordinate. We're not an equal at the table. That's exactly right. So we need to have a voice at the table. And, again, something that you and I had discussed before is how women can help one another to have that voice at the table. So let's say that I'm interrupted and you're also sitting at the table. Let's say that Joe interrupts me. Then instead of me having to say, Joe, let me finish, you can say, Joe, uh, I'm interested to hear what Connie had to say. Let's let her finish before you jump in. Yeah. So there are ways that we as women can collaborate to help one another to kind of reclaim what is ours. And I see this happen all the time at meetings with women bringing up ideas or putting a motion on the table and a guy kind of coming along and usurping it. You know, a woman says something and doesn't get acknowledgement or credit. Then a guy comes along five minutes later and says the same thing. And everyone says, oh, wow, way to go, Joe, great idea. But at this point, you, Sabrina, can say, Joe, great idea. I appreciate your building on what Connie was saying just a few minutes ago. I love it. I love it. And, um, we will talk about that in another show about how women can collaborate and help each other. So thanks for that. We're running out of time, and just to finish up, can you talk about how the best way to handle a compliment? Yes. Now, again, because we women like to keep things on an even par, and we were told as girls that you don't want to come across as boastful or braggadocio or immodest. So when we receive a compliment, oftentimes we tend to deflect it. Sabrina, that was an excellent interview. Well, Connie, you did a great job too. (laughs) Uh, Jennifer, you did a wonderful job on that project. Oh, it was really nothing. I couldn't have done it with all my team members. They were really the ones who participated. Now, It's a good idea, certainly, to acknowledge other people and to recognize them, and we women are good at that. On the other hand, if someone pays you a compliment and is giving you credit, well-deserved credit, you need to simply embrace it. And there is nothing wrong with saying very graciously, with a smile, thank you. So when I tell you, Sabrina, you did a great job on this interview, and you can simply say, Connie, Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Connie, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. (laughs) And it it was a pleasure talking to you. It was a pleasure. And um, I know the audience and I have so many more questions for you, so we definitely will have a follow-up interview. 
So thank you again for participating in our show. Thank you, Sabrina. I'll look forward to talking with you soon. What has been your experience on this topic? Love to hear your challenges, opinions, and breakthroughs. Please visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com and post your comments at the bottom of the show. Be sure to listen for my upcoming interview soon with Connie Glazer on how women can help each other. And do me a favor. Please share Women's Leadership Success Radio and this website with your friends and associates. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brahm, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrahm.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.